Welcome to FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. This sermon features Steve Carter and was recorded on Sunday, October 24th as part of the series, How to Be Human, A Fresh Look at the Ten Commandments. At the end of the sermon, stay tuned for a legacy campaign update from Pastor Ken. And if you live close by, join us next Sunday at either 9 or 11 a.m. And as always, you can join us for FaithBridge online at faithbridge.org live. Here's Steve. It is good to be back. It's good to be back. We've not met. My name is Steve Carter, and I absolutely love, love, love this church. If you're tuning in online, we're grateful that you are making moments just to go deeper in God's Word. And those of you in the communion, East Room, we love you. We love you. Don't we love them? Yeah, we love them. We love you. Now clap for us. No, just kidding. Uh, we can't hear you. We can't hear you, but we love you. Um, hey, if you um, like need a Bible... You're going to need this because we're going to dive into God's Word. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. Feel free. You can raise your hand. If not, some of the verses will be up on the screen. But for those of you who like to have the text in your hand, um, I love this because when I was a pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I worked with junior high students, and we were always looking for places where junior high students could serve. And I thought it'd be awesome for them to pass out Bibles on the weekend. And so, you know, the pastor would get up, hey, anyone need a Bible? Raise your hand. And these like sixth, seventh, and eighth graders would come, and they'd see a hand, and they're like, oh, she's open and they'd throw a Bible. Um, it was an epic fail, epic fail. Um, second epic fail that came with the way that we engaged, tried to engage our students. This is the early 2000s. There was this guy named Little John. Not sure how he got famous, but um, he just basically said two words, what and okay. And so um, literally what we would do is we'd say, hey, uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we taught our junior high students to say, what? And I would say, turn with me to junior high, or turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again. And they'd go, okay. And this is what they do every Tuesday night. So then I started getting the opportunity to teach on the weekend. We had like 500 junior high students in our ministry. And so they, I didn't know that they went to church on Sunday, as many as they did. My first time teaching, I'm like, all right, church, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And the whole junior high room, like 500 of them were like, what? And I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, they do listen. And um, hey, I, I'm excited. Wasn't Clay fantastic last weekend? Yeah, he's great. He was great. He's a dear friend. Um, he, he didn't probably give you this, but he's a Braves fan. Okay? He's a Braves fan. I know. I know. So, so next time he's here, next time he's here, and when you all win legally this time, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, let's, come on. Come on. Come on. Be honest, right? I'm not. Everyone's thinking it. All right? You will win legally. And Georgia, they can't take another loss, but they're going to get another loss. It's going to be hard for them. Um, the whole state just does really good for like two games in the, or two quarters or three quarters Super Bowl a few years ago. That's my second to last sports reference of the teach. But I say all this just to go, um, just remind him. Just remind him when he comes back about your Houston Astros winning hopefully another World Series. So, yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I'd say before we dive in, I, I love this place. I love Pastor Ken, the team. Um, but one of the things I was remarking recently to a friend was how you all are a bunch of challenge addicts. 
I mean, I was going through like the, the, the teachings that I've done here at FaithBridge. Like one of the first ones I did, we talked about desire and sex and animals and angels and how to be human. And, and then, and then we've, we've talked about like rock shazak, like being strong and courageous. We talked about like living an invitational life, reaching our friends. We talked about the thing beneath the thing. One weekend we talked about volunteerism. We did this whole thing out in a tent and you all went and signed up. I mean, I, I love coming here because I feel like I can say things to challenge you and you actually like it. And not a lot of places are like that. Y'all are built different. I don't understand. Maybe it's Texas. I don't know. I think it's Houston. But there's something about you that you're like, we want this. And so when we were going through this series, How to Be Human, which by, by the way, is like my favorite sermon series title ever. I love that name. Walking Through the Ten Commandments. And Clay got Do Not Steal. I was thinking to myself, like, well, you know, like, we could jump to another passage, but I, I'd like to talk about money, too. And part of why I want to talk about money is because I feel like there's a lot of times in the church where money hasn't been represented well. I thought Clay did a fantastic job really helping us see God's perspective. But I wanted to, like, actually say, well, what does this mean for us? Because here's, here's the biggest point that I never knew growing up in the church was that money is just a prop. And money and how I view money and how I use money and how I can make money behave actually has the power to speed up my spiritual formation or to wildly slow it down. And, and this is what we don't often talk about. Oftentimes it's about like, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Literally, all I care about is that the church would look more like Jesus. And Paul, he goes to this church in Corinth that's wealthy, it's influential, they, 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 they have incredible gifts when it comes to the arts, talents, but he doesn't just speak to them, he does something profound because he tells this Corinthian church about another church, a, a church that's gone through some incredible trauma and trial, and yet they understand what the cross is all about. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. So grateful nobody said, what? Uh, verse 1 says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, first off, you've got to understand that generosity always comes from a biblical understanding of grace. And grace always comes from a biblical understanding of the cross. They are deeply intertwined together. Verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So again, remember this. Generosity is connected to a biblical understanding of grace, and grace is connected to a biblical understanding of the cross. So whenever you have this beautiful outpouring of generosity, it showcases that you understand the story of the cross. And this is what happens. A profound trial comes. And I don't know in this area what kind of city or neighborhood, maybe in greater Houston, that you would just go, man, they've gone through it. They don't have the resources that we have here in Klein and Spring. 
But yet, in the midst of trial, nobody asked them or pleaded with them or begged them or manipulated them. They showed up and they were like, here's what we have. Because they understood the cross. And they understood grace. And because they understood the cross and grace, they understood what generosity was all about. And it surprised Paul. Paul didn't even see it coming. Continues on. It says this. Verse 5, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part, speaking to the Corinthians. But since you excel in everything, Corinth, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test, keyword test, the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others, especially those who went through trial. Verse nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This is the gospel. Jesus, who was rich in power and glory in heaven, empties himself, the great kenosis of Philippians 2, and he enters into this world, not using his power in some ways to manipulate or hold over other people, but he came to serve so that we might be rich because of the cross, because of grace, and also because of our generous spirit, because it's Christ at work in us. And he says something, though. Paul says, I want to test the sincerity of your heart. Now, this word dokamazo is where we get this idea for test, and it literally means put to the test. It's kind of where we get this whole concept when it comes to like refiners, like fire and getting to the metal to understand, is this actually good metal? It's purifying, it's detailing. Are you who you say you are? Do you mean what you say? Say what you mean. It's like dokamazo, it's putting it to the test. Again, I can sing that song, Promises. We just sang, Ezra just sang it. It's a beautiful song. And in that song, there's these lines like, I put my faith in Jesus. An anchor to the ground. A hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I can sing that, but somehow money, money actually is us literally putting that to the test. Because for some of us, man, we want this to be true, but when it comes to time or to talents or to treasures, it's easier for us to hoard. And friends, this is anti-gospel. Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that we would be rich. And this is what's so beautiful, is when you begin to understand the formation of all of this, is that when we hoard our money, it becomes easier for us to hoard our story. When we hoard our money, it becomes easier for us to hoard making an invitation to a friend. When we hoard our story, it's easier for us to hoard our talents or hoard our treasure or hoard our sense of evangelism or even prayer or even deeper than that, hoarding our grace or willingness to forgive another person. See, this whole idea of generosity is being generous of spirit. 
having a lifestyle because again, generosity comes from an understanding of grace and grace comes from a gift of the cross. And when you have all of that, you can be someone who understands time differently, understands your talents differently, understands your treasure differently, understands grace and forgiveness and prayer and evangelism differently. And what Paul was so surprised to see was not that it was happening in the influential Corinthian church, but it was happening in the places of deep trial and trauma and pain in the Macedonian church. And so Paul says, I want to test your sincerity. Do you mean what you say? Do you mean what you say? Do you mean what you say when you sing about grace and the cross and generosity? Do you mean this? And then Paul, in chapter 9, he takes it even farther. And he says this, verse 6. Remember this, Corinthian church. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then verse 7. Each of you, and this, this should be true for all of us. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't come in often with a lot of baggage when it comes to money in the church, but I do, and I have heard a lot of sermons where I feel like, man, people feel like just the sense where money gets manipulated. and I just don't want that. But I, I find this word very, very fascinating that Paul uses. That each of you should decide in your heart. That it's your decision. It's your decision. And the word decide in Greek is the word proero. And it means to reach a decision beforehand. That every one of us should come in prepared where our heart have decided this is the kind of generous spirit we will bring to our time to our talent, to our treasure, to our story, to prayer. And oftentimes, for much of my life, I didn't decide in my heart. I let life happen to me. And what I came to realize is being a pastor for 20 years, that oftentimes when we don't decide with our heart, some other kind of ideologies come to pass. And they kind of come into our mind, so then a basket gets put before us and we haven't decided in our heart, we haven't decided the kind of person we are going to be, how we want to open our lives to be shaped and formed more into the image of Christ and likeness of Christ. And little by little, something happens. Now, what I came to realize is, is any of you like to eat out? I, I love to eat out. I, I, it's so much better than making food at your house and having to do dishes after. It's the worst. But I love going into a new city and like a new restaurant. I sometimes like for Sabbath, I'll just look at uh, a different neighborhood in my city and kind of look at a coffee shop or a restaurant. I'll just, I'll just go. And, and what I realize is that every time we get paid, it's a priority test. It's a priority test. Will we have a spirit of generosity? And having a spirit of generosity requires us passing the priority test. And God, I think every time we get paid, it, we get to have our sincerity tested. Our understanding of the cross, our understanding of grace, our understanding of generosity. And again, I realized that for so long, I had this absolutely backwards. 
You know when you go to a great restaurant? I don't know for you if it's in spring or if it's a incline or if it's down in the city. Um, if you're like, man, but you've probably had a moment where you've had some decent food, but the wait staff was incredible. I mean, like, the woman or the man who was like as, serving as a waiter or waitress, I mean, they just were phenomenal. You get close to being done with your water. They've refilled it. They've given everything that you need. They're, they're there, but they're, they're not there too much. But when you need them, they're magically there. It's just awesome. And then at the end, they give you a bill. And if you've seen the new bills, the way that they do this, they, they kind of put down the price. And then because none of us carry calculators outside of our smartphones, but like they don't think that you're actually going to do the work or know how to do math. And so they do it for you underneath the bill. And they're like, okay, if you are Dutch, then it's 10%, you know, and they put it here. And then, and then they give you that number. And then if it's like, you know, you're... you're kind of human, it's 15%, you know, um, and then if you're like, if you're like, you know, really, really kind, 20%, and if, if you like, are like the nicest person ever, 25%, and they put them, them out there, and then so some of us, depending on the service, depending on our experience, depending on the food, depending on what we felt happened at the table, we respond with a tip, and I think this is how some of us view generosity, and if you think about it, generosity from a tipping Standpoint, standpoint is based on if you did this the way that I liked it, then I'll, then I'll tip you. And I think this is how some of us look at God. God, if you actually were good to me this week, I mean, got me a couple contacts, helped me out on my LinkedIn account, make a couple connections, stay off LinkedIn. But like, you know, you, you, you have these like moments where you're like, oh, I got this business deal, this thing worked out, this thing happened. You know, at the end of the week, I'm gonna look through what extra I have. And you know what? Oh, I only have $34 here. I'm gonna tip God, yeah, I feel like you, 6%, man, 6%. Strong number right there. I get 6%. And if you show up better for me next week, there might be a little bit more. This is like a total terrible proposition, but the ideology is what often drives many of us. God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. And like Clay taught us last week, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But somehow this kind of creeps in. And this isn't generosity. This is tipping someone based on their service. And how many of us often see and get paid, we're trying to tip God as a way of saying, you did well for me this week. But God does not work for you. God has entrusted to you. The second thing that I think is amazing is that sometimes you go out to food and, and if, you're, if you're like me, um, you know, at the end, the waiter or the waitress comes up and goes, um, hey, you have a little bit of leftover Coke. Would you like me to put that in a to-go container? I'm like, yes, please. Like, I want all of it. I'm like, can you bag up the, the, the bread? I'm like, they're not going to eat it, but I'll take it. I love, I love, I'm, because, you know, for me, there's a part of me that I'm like, I worked for this. I'm going to eat it all. It's all mine. I work for this. I'm paying for it. I deserve all of it. And I probably deserve that nice knife, too. And I'm going to take that as well. Right? You know you've done that. You know how you know? You go and you look at someone's like kitchen and you see their knives and they have different kinds of knives and you're like, oh, wow, that's from Mastro's. Hmm. Okay, now you're one of those people. Do not steal like Clay taught us last week. No, but, here, but here's the thing. Is sometimes I think for us, we tip God, but for others of us, we feel entitled. I'm entitled to all of it. I earned it. 
This is all mine. And friends, just think about this. It's anti-gospel. And this is, this is what happened with David. David should have been at battle. And he's not at battle. He ends up coming back and he's just kicking it. He goes out, looks on his roof and he sees a woman bathing. It's not Bathsheba's fault. She didn't think that the king would be home. And what happens is when you have this entitled ideology, something creeps in where you start to desire something and because entitlement is like underneath the surface, you don't just desire it, you feel like you deserve it. And not that you just deserve it, you then have all of this motivation and energy to demand it. Have you ever been around a 20 year old who's entitled? I'm entitled to this job, I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to this. And have you ever been around a 20 year old who's not entitled? And you're like, I wanna do whatever I can to to launch this kid, this, this, this person as a rocket ship. I want to give them everything because it's different. But when some people go, I desire this, but I deserve it. I demand it. You're like, what? And this, when you get, live with that, then all of a sudden what you end up doing is co-opting grace and co-opting everything to center you, which is the opposite of generosity. And generosity flows from, the, from grace and grace flows from the cross. And I think for many of us, what's happened is when the basket comes or when we have a chance to actually engage with God in a spirit or practice of generosity, when that entitlement kicks in, this is why money can speed up your spiritual formation or slow it, slow it down. Because you have to wrestle the tipping. If you do this, God, then I'll do this. You work for me, God. That and entitlement to the ground. And this is where God begins to shape you, inform you. The third one, the third one is scraps. Scraps. And again, I told you I, I love to like eat and everything and take it. But you know what's so amazing? Have you ever like, you ever seen people who are like, you're, you're eating with them and, and you're like, wait, there's, there's not much left on that, that ribeye. What are you going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to take it to my dog. and get a little doggy bag, which is the weirdest name ever. But you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, okay. And, and I've seen people, and I've done it myself, where I'll just, you know, I'm taking the bread, and I'm taking everything I can. And I, because I, I actually love leftovers. I'll turn anything into a scramble in the morning. I love it. It's great. You know, and, you, and here's the crazy thing, though. For many of us, we, we go get a nice ribeye. We eat the marbleized fat. You know what I'm talking about? So good. Some of you are going to leave right now. Not because I'm talking about money, but because you're hungry. And like, you, you know, you're, you're eating it. You're enjoying it. You're loving it. And then you've got a little bit left. And you're like, I'm not going to throw that away. I'm going to take that home. And I think for some of us, this is how we actually view generosity. I, maybe I won't tip God because that's based on an if-then proposition. I'm not going to do like this entitlement Really, what we're going to do is, the way we view money is, number one priority, i got to pay my mortgage. Number two priority, i got to save some money. Number three priority, i got to like pay the extra bills. Number four priority is i got to pay my kids for the chores that they do. Number five pri priority, i got to invest for the future. I don't know whatever it is, and whatever I have that's left over, the scraps, I'll give that to God. That's not generosity. That's leftovers. And again, can you imagine the gospel going, hey, I could give you my son, but I'm going to give you the leftover. No, God gave his best. Passed the priority test. Gave his 
only son so that anyone who believes shall not perish but have eternal and everlasting life. This is, this is again, gospel, grace, generosity, all connected. And then I realized something. I realized something that the more that I dove in, it's not about tipping because it's if-then proposition. It's not about entitlement. Like, I, I didn't earn all this. God's gifted me with opportunities and talents and abilities and people. I'm not going to give them scraps. When it comes to priority tests, every time I get paid, it's really a conversation about how much I trust him. How much I trust him. And that's where I think that there's a massive breakdown. I think for many of us, we just don't have the trust that God's actually going to take care of us. I remember a number of years ago, I was preaching in California at a Mariner's church. I get done with the teach and I see this guy who I haven't seen for seven years. He walks up, his name's Andy, and he goes, hey man, how you doing? I was like, Andy, man, it's been so long. I'm like, what's new? He's like, man, I just became a, a level two psalm. I'm like, what's that? He's like, I'm a sommelier. I'm like, you're Somalian? Like, what are you, like, I don't, I don't know, what are you talking about? Like, he's like, no, I work with wine. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he, he's like, I just got hired as this general manager at this awesome Newport Beach restaurant. I basically walk around and talk to people about their food and which expensive bottle of wine they should pair with it. And then they trust me because I'm a level two psalm and there's only like 300 of us in the world and they buy the bottle of wine. That's all I do. And I'm like, what? He's like, man, you got to come check out the restaurant. I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, I, I don't got really plans tonight. Like I'm with two interns, 19-year-old intern who doesn't have a job, just finished up his freshman year of college. I got a 26-year-old intern, which you got a 26-year-old intern. Things aren't going very well financially for him. <laughs> and then, and then I, I, got a, I got another 22-year-old who moved out from the Midwest to California to be an actor, and he don't have a part. You don't have a job, all right? So, so the three of us, we go out to this restaurant, and I'm like waiting for the menus to come. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty dope spot. I like it. We're sitting down, and I kid you not, like food just starts coming. I'm talking about different kinds of cheese, charcuterie boards, which is a great word to say. And then all of a sudden, these bottles of wine start to show up. And I'm, I'm not talking about like bottles of wine with like, you know, penguins on it. Or like, you know, they're, they're, when there's no animal on the wine, you know it's an expensive bottle of wine. Okay, and so I'm sitting here and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like stressing out right now, okay? Because I know I got my Dave Ramsey emergency fund. I just don't want to spend it without my wife with three dudes who have no money. <laughs> so I'm sitting here going, oh my goodness. Underneath the table, I'm taking the bottle and I'm literally snapping a picture of it. I go into the restroom and I start to look at these three names. The bottles of wine like at BevMo are like 134, 179, 238. This is not the restaurant charge. So, so times it by three, right? And so I'm like doing the math. I have not seen a menu and I'm sitting here and I'm feeling anxiety and worry and a whole bunch of bitterness over these three. Like get a life. Contribute. No generosity, no grace, no understanding of the cross. I'm just thinking about the random phone call I'm going to have to make. Babe, you're going to see this thing on the credit card. So those other three, they didn't do it. I was just, you know, I felt this. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden um, I'm like, hey, Andy, you gotta, you gotta cut me off, man. Like, I can't, I don't, I don't know how much all this has cost. You know, he looks at me, he goes, oh, I know you can't afford it. <laughs> it's all me. And I'm like, what? 
I was like, let's go. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I, I, was like, I was like, what? And he goes, oh, dude, that's just my little way to say thanks. And I, I walked out and I looked, I looked at these three broke grifters <laughs> and myself and I just said, we just experienced something we didn't deserve. We probably will not have another meal like this in the next five to 10 years unless you make it, bro. Our hope's on you, Academy Award winner. And I'm like, you, if, if this happens, you will always have this moment of like, you didn't deserve this. We didn't pay a cent. Pay a cent. Friends, this is, this is the gospel. This is the gift of grace. This is why grace is so connected to generosity. It's because you, you actually trust that you received a gift you didn't deserve to free you from your brokenness and patterns of dysfunction and sin because of the cross, then it, you have to ask yourself, with my time, what kind of person do I want to be because of grace and the cross? Because of my finances, what kind of person do I want to be because of the grace and the cross? When it comes to all of my life, my story, my baggage, my pain, the unique spiritual gifts God has given me, what kind of person do I want to be? And all of culture will tell you, hoard it all for yourself. Anti-gospel. But the good news is, the good news is, because of grace, you can actually be generous of spirit. And it will transform you. I have met some of the most generous people, and they don't make more than six figures. I've met some of the most generous people, and they make eight plus figures. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It matters how much you understand grace and you understand the cross. I've met college students who barely have anything, and yet they go so deep with the cross, they understand grace, that they pass the priority test. They're not tipping God, they're not entitled, they are not living off of scraps and giving scraps, they are actually living with trust. And you know what? It doesn't just change them. It changes those around them. Paul writes this, this is not gonna be up on the screen, but I want you just to hear these words. He says this, after being a cheerful giver, he says, verse eight, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest. And most people stop right there. It's not about the harvest. Look what the last three words are. The harvest of your righteousness. See, this is about your heart. This is about your spirit. This is about you being so generous because you understand grace, because you understand the gospel, you understand the cross, that you want to like stop and pray for someone. You see money as a priority test. You see money as absolutely shaping and forming you and wrestling the demons down to the ground of entitlement or if-then theology or leftovers and actually allowing you to say, I trust God with everything. I think about this. God has every, always ever only been faithful to you. Always ever only been faithful to you. And we're like, I'm gonna tip you. He's always ever only been faithful to you. I'm gonna hold it to myself always ever only been faithful to you. I'm just gonna give you leftovers. And the healthiest people go, no, 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 I'm actually gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. Last thing I'd say is this. 
I was sitting there watching the video come up, and the video was talking about this legacy building. And I didn't grow up with parents who went to church. I'm actually, I, I started going to church first. I would ride my bike. And I, I was sitting there, I was kind of having this moment listening to Mo and, and, and seeing the, these faces of these kids in, in a living room or in a student room. And, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I, when we give, we don't often think about the lives that are actually being blessed when we actually showcase our understanding of grace and the gospel and, and the cross through generosity. But I was one of those kids. I was one of those kids when all of a sudden had nowhere to go and my life could have gone a thousand different directions. And I remember showing up to this church, a Camarillo Christian church, small little church in Ventura County, California. And people had given money to redo the student room. And they had no idea that the students that went in there, the kind of marketplace leaders and pastors and parents and that would be shaped by them just taking and throwing out a seed of generosity. See, what's amazing is your generosity doesn't just shape you and form you to be more like Christ, but it also gives the chance to shape others. And I was watching this going, man, the way that this church has gone forward, the way, and last week, watching Pastor Ken say, some of the parents and the adults are trying to come back, but the high school students, the middle school students, they're back because they got a place. And you will never know, you will never know this side of heaven what your generosity did, not just for you, but what it did in other people like me. And I, I, every time I see random people from Camarillo Christian who I know gave to our little church campaign, like Paul and Janice Marshall, I saw them recently in Arizona out of nowhere. I walked up and I said, thank you. Your generosity set the trajectory for what God wanted to do in me. And you, you might just know that we come from the same hometown, but you need to know that you have a part in the ministry that I am absolutely able to do because of your generosity. It was one small seed. And so oftentimes when we think about money, we think about dollars and cents. But let me flip it. Because what Paul's talking about is those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. But can you imagine a church that sows generously? What are they going to reap? Generosity. It's going to be like blow you away. So it's not dollars and cents, it's dollars and seeds. And growing up in California, like you all in Texas, there's one great tree. It's the avocado tree. Because avocado tree produces guacamole. Can I get an amen? That's right. That's right. You're all, man, this guy talks about food a lot. Can't you tell? Gosh, man, I got stuff all over me. Um, just going to eat this right now. Um, dollars and Dollars and seeds. Here's what I'm saying. You know, one avocado tree can produce in one calendar year between 200 and 300 avocados. Inside an avocado, you know that there's one seed. What's amazing is one avocado tree typically can last for 400 years, with each year producing between 200 and 300 trees. So let's just do the math. Let's say 250. 250 times 400. That is 100,000 avocados with one seed put in the ground. But let's think just from that first year's crop. If you took all 250 of those avocados, took those seeds, and did what needed to happen so that it would produce, in the course of just from that first year, 
you'd have 25 million avocados. That's a lot of avocados just in the first year being produced out. And this is why it's dollars and seeds because here's the crazy thing is when you actually give to the kingdom of God, the way that the spirit of God supercharges that, uses it, the stories that's going to come out of that legacy building, but you know what it requires? Not people who are tipping, not people who are entitled, not people who are giving scraps, but a community of people who have passed the priority test because they understand the gospel and the gospel gave us grace and because of grace, we are the most generous people on the planet because we trust a God who will never leave us nor forsake us, who has always ever only been faithful to us. And when you live like that, you will make a ton of kingdom avocado trees, churches, ministries. I mean, I love every time the name Ben Stewart's thrown out. Y'all, y'all are like, we, all, we made Ben Stewart. And he sort of did. You, you should take that. That's an avocado tree. And now he's up in D.C., goes off to Texas A&M, breakaway. They beat Alabama, thanks be to God. And they go, you know, then goes out to, but do you understand this? You all have a part of that. You watched him grow, do amazing things. Some of you were in the student ministry. That's like a kingdom avocado tree. It's dollars and seeds. But too often we're thinking dollars and cents. Tips, scraps, leftovers, it's all mine. But the kingdom, the kingdom of generosity based on grace, based on the gospel, based on the cross, will do incredible things. And I believe Faith Bridge is just getting started. And if we could be the kind of people who get this, churches, the ministries, the stories, the people, the lives that will be transformed because we are people who are generous. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the stories that are coming out of Faith Bridge. I can't even imagine what in 10 years the students in the middle school ministry, the high school ministry, point break, I, I can't even imagine the lives. That's just dollars and seeds. And so, God, I pray that we would not just be people who sing about trust. We'd actually trust you. We'd see money as a prop to shape us and form us more, not into the way of culture of hoarding, but more in the way of grace and generosity. Help us, God. I want people to see Christ and grace and generous spirit alive and well in us. So, God, do what you want to do. Spirit, move in the hearts. For those of us that feel that hoarding that if then, just the leftovers, that, that tension of, I did this. Spirit of God, just break us. Invite us into more trust in you. And money is just a resource. It's just a prop. But let us be the kind of people who trust you with this so that, so that with prayer, with our story, with our gifts, we can be generous too. We love you, God. We love you, God. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's welcome up Pastor Ken. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, let's give him a, a big uh, thank you. Wasn't that a great word? So creative. And, and uh, I just want to tell you three things briefly. The first is this. When it comes to generosity, you are a generous people. I told you how I knew that last week, 
That was that even when we had just pledged $11.6 million right before the pandemic, and, and, and then we thought about pausing and waiting, but your generosity combined with our elders' faith spurred us on. We just kept going. And I'm so glad that we did and that we didn't stop because I told you last week, we'd be looking at $5 million more for that, not to mention the time lost the supply chain and all. You've been so generous. You've been generous even this week. I told you that we're doing so well on that campaign. It comes to an end in January. And we were looking at about a $1 million gap, about a $1 million shortfall in collecting all of that, realizing that it's been a hard year for a lot of people, two years with the pandemic. Some people have moved and so. But I said, I bet that we could close some of this gap. You closed a third of the gap last week. More than $300,000, yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord. That's amazing. And so you are a generous people and I'm so grateful that you get what Steve's talking about, the, the gospel in our hearts and the generosity that flows out from that. I'll tell you a second thing, I'm so grateful you're generous, I'm grateful. I have so many preacher friends who say it's just like pulling teeth to have a people that are generous. And I have to sit kind of quiet because I'm like, I don't really have that problem. My people really, I think most of them get it. And I'm so grateful for that. I, I, all I did last week was I just mentioned, hey, if you haven't started up on your campaign pledge, could you go ahead and get it started because we're kind of coming to the end here in January or would you would you um, stay in if you've been working along and just finish strong or maybe just maybe you could step up and even do a little bit more maybe you already finished your pledge and so many of you did that many of you uh, didn't remember you were honest enough honest enough to say I, I can't even remember did we pledge what did we pledge how much of that pledge have we done and so we sent you uh, a text, we sent you an email, we sent you a snail mail, and some of you are like, okay, enough already, I got it. Are you, are you gonna call us and come over to our house? No, that, we just never know which way people wanna take their communication, so that's why you got it in several different, but most of you received it in the fashion that it was intended, and that was just to say, thank you, I couldn't remember really where I was on that whole pledge, and you responded so generously, I'm grateful. I'll tell you one other thing. I really think we could close this gap. I sort of thought that a week ago, but now with the way that we just came roaring out last week, I'm like, I think we could actually close the whole thing. And I'm gonna ask us to consider doing that. I'm gonna ask you to consider doing that because it takes everybody to say, hey, you know what, I'll start up, I'll stay in, I'll step up. If it works, again, no guilt, all grace. It's not a have to, it's a get to. But I wanna give you a moment because, um, because I really, well, I can't come out, I'm not gonna talk about it next week because it's Candy Palooza, it's a big on-ramp Sunday. We'll have a lot of guests and visitors. And, and, and on November 7th, Ben is here, Ben Stewart, and you're like, 
please, you let him preach. Don't, don't come out here and do this again. So could we just maybe wrap it up today? That would be amazing. Here's what I wanna do. Uh, would you turn on the lights just a little bit? I wanna give you 30 seconds because this is what I've learned about you. If you'll just focus for a minute, actually, most people have good intentions. I will get to that and then you run, but then you forget. And that's all it is that you forget. I want you to go to faithbridge.org slash legacy or go to the Faithbridge app and just press legacy. And you could do it just right now and just say, you know what? I'll go ahead and start. Some of you might say, I, I'd like to start up a pledge. This all came in after we came but our kids are involved, we, we never were a part of this. And, and uh, you can even pick, we got this little cool little brochure that they made us this week, just for people who would like a little, um, it's not a big campaign, yet. it's just like, here's what happened. And uh, you're welcome to, anybody's welcome to it. They got all sorts of interesting numbers in here, like all the kids that come and all the things that are happening. And I like data. And so maybe you like that, you can, uh, that's, that's for years, they'll give it to you on the way out. Take a minute right now, would you just, and um, let's see if we couldn't go ahead and close that gap even today and be on trajectory to, uh, to wrap this up in total in January. I'll give you just a few more seconds and remind you uh, next week is a great week for you to be bringing a friend, bring a neighbor, bring somebody who's like maybe on the periphery great on-ramp Sunday, especially if they have kids, bring, bring, uh, bring families, tons of candy. And the next week, Ben will be here, and that's always a treat when he comes home. And uh, so we'll see you then as well. I hope that you have a great week. Thank you so much for your hearts. If you'd like prayer, come up here. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, see you next Sunday. Go in peace.